Production. Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels. I am here with Todd Allen Hudebeck, author of Life Mastery Keys. And today is Thursday, September 3rd. Good to have you here, Todd. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. So anyway, I just wanted to have this conversation you brought up with um, on Facebook um, earlier today about your ghost blogger chick. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little more about what she's going to be doing for you. Um, already has been doing the same thing you do, only we create a blog post. Okay. All right. And so when did she start doing that with you? Oh, gosh. It was a couple of months ago, and then we kind of lost sight of it when I went to Vegas and then we finally got connected again last night and we were trying to figure it out and I thought you know there's some great material coming out with what Denise is doing maybe we can review that and hash it out and um, be able to create a blog post that way okay all right well I mean you can always use um, excerpts well, actually, you know, like the agreement is that you're not supposed to be able to use anything until you're paid in full. But, oh. you know, as I mean, that's, you know, the agreement I have. That's with all what I asked. I didn't know for sure yeah, how that yeah. would work. Yeah. But, I mean, if she wanted to use snippets from it and say, you know, this is an excerpt from my, she's 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 writing as you, Right. 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 So if you wanted to, you know, take like a paragraph and say this is a snippet from my upcoming book and the reason I want to share it with you today is blah, 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 or, you know, something like that, you know, I'll just say that's fine, you know, um, okay. because because it's small snippets. Right. Now, are are you going to have her sort of like reading the chapters to give her two cents worth as a token millennial kind of person or just sort of those excerpts? Um, maybe both. I really hadn't thought it through. I know I had her read the first chapter just to see what she thought. Okay. Um, and what did she think? Yeah, I think she liked it. I think um, I didn't really get any good or bad comments. Well, I got, I'm sure I got a good comment. I think she said that looks, that sounds really cool. Or I remember that's been quite a while now. Okay. Okay. The reason why I'm asking is, you know, I mean, Sometimes this doesn't happen with clients and sometimes it does. Like somebody wants their assistant to read it or their wife to read it or right. someone whose opinion that they respect. I had a client last year and he was dyslexic and so reading was really a challenge for him. So he had his business partner, you know, read the chapters as we went along and then, you know, after she would say, yeah, I really liked it, then he would go through it and, you know, take the time, which for him is really time, you know. And right. I totally understand because I have two brothers that are dyslexic. I think that's part of the reason why he hired me to write it, you know. <laughs> um, I'm fine with her reading and giving her two cents worth. Uh-huh. The deal is, for me, is that I'm trying to, you know, my deal is to keep this kind of on a time frame. And the reason why you don't have, you know, the chapter that I wanted to have to you today is because after we had this little chat this morning, I thought, you know what, I better hold off until I have a conversation with you. So I wrapped up another client's chapter this afternoon, you know. So at any rate, um, um, as long as 
she is kind of like keeping up with it, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, because there's a point at which you have the opportunity to read it and or both of you have the opportunity to read it and say, you know, yes, I like that. It's oh, good. In it's in phase. the can, sure. yeah. right? You know, or, or you know, would like would like to tweak this piece of it, you know. And as long as she's keeping up with the pace of reading those things, I'm absolutely fine with it, you know. In sure. fact, I'd even be fine if for some reason you wanted her to be on one of these calls to give her two cents worth you know, as a token millennial or your daughter or whatever. You know, I'm just saying I want to keep in the groove of getting the chapters. I don't want somebody who's like kind of behind the eight ball and then two months later after a chapter's long since been in the can, it gets pulled out and you say, well, wait a minute, you know. I I get that totally. So does, does that make sense? Yep, totally. Yeah. And I'll, you know, and I'll go light on my, you know, normal rule of, um, of saying, you know, it's not really yours to use yet until it's paid in full, because right. I'm really excited that you're creating a blog and using excerpts is fine, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking, you know, it might be a good way just to generate some interest or some intrigue or, yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a great way. And, you know, I often recommend that to book coaching clients or just, you know, people of my on my writers of nonfiction thing. If you're writing a book, right. you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and write all new blog posts. You can use <laughs> bits and pieces of your book as excerpts, right. you know. Right. So anyway. Well, right, I, so that... I was intrigued by your process, so I was trying to – I was teaching it to her or – just kind of showing her how that kind of worked and getting her to do a blog for me. Um, and I, and I, it was working out pretty cool. So she's created some amazing stuff. Like I said, I'd rather stick knitting, knitting needles. Like you said, I'd rather stick knitting needles in my eyes. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. But anybody can help me write. To, I have so many thoughts and ideas and can talk all day long, but when it's, when I sit down, it just takes me longer to get the, the concepts out. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of really sharp people where writing is just not their bag. I mean, right. I know it wasn't my dad's bag. I mean, I was writing stuff for him like resumes or letters or, you know, right. whatever when I was like in my teens, you know. I can remember saying, Dad, you used the word embittered four times on this page, you know. Right. You could say, change it to whatever you want, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, and I, when I was in my 20s, I used to, um, and I worked in insurance, I used to put together these proposals and my boss would see them and he would go, holy cow, how late did you stay here working on this? <laughs> you know, you'd say, your writing is really good. You know, and you could tell he seemed a little um, intimidated, even though he made a lot more money than I did. And I would say, well, Rick, you're a seller, not a speller. Yes. Nice. Coin that. Yeah, that's cool. That way, that way we'd both laugh over it and get on with our day rather than him feeling like I'm going to be the grammar police or something, right. you know. So anyway, now, if I recall correctly, you um, looked at, the be in the mystery chapter and you were pretty happy with that 
Yeah, you and I reviewed it last week. I think. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It looks okay. Good. 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 Okay. Good. So can I go through the chapters that have been completed? Can I now go through that final proofreading step, you know, so that then they're the one I see what I do is I have a file for the transcribed notes and then I have one for manuscript and then I have one for proofread manuscript. Yeah, I'd go for it. Okay, good. Okay, good. All right. Good. So, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of find out more about, you know, how you're using your ghost blogging chick. A lot of people do that, you know, because blogs take time. And I've never heard of that before. I've heard of ghost writing for a book, but somebody being a ghost blogger, I didn't realize that was, I thought, yeah, not that I Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of corporations do that because the person who the blog needs to be coming from just plain doesn't have the time to be dealing with sentence structure and things like that. So anyway, all right, good. Well, today, Mr. Todd, Mr. Fox and the Hound, (laughs) now that I know that, that Todd means fox, um, our topic is health and well-being. Okay. Okay. So anyway, have you had thoughts pinging through your mind at all today since I... I, I hadn't, because I was hoping, I, did, I guess I didn't see if you messaged me back what I was supposed to be thinking about. So we can just kind of blow into it. Health and well-being is... Um, yeah, I sent you a message um, oh. when we got kind of to the end of our little exchange regarding your ghost blogger. Um, I said our topic today is health and well-being. Now, if there's another topic you were thinking about and you're kind of like all primed and ready to go, I mean, I can shift. That's okay. Let me, Just let me know. No, let's see what comes out. I, I really hadn't. Um, I started you had chasing other things another, on your mind. Yeah, I chased another squirrel and just lost sight of it. Totally. Squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> I'm, where's where's that movie that the squirrel thing came from? You told me about. What it was. I forget what the heck. It was either a car. Oh, it was a cartoon, I think. With yeah, I don't remember now. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, See, when you first mentioned that, I thought, oh, that sounds like something that would have been in Caddyshack or something, you know. But I think it was a movie about a house that flew around with balloons. The guy went on a big adventure. Oh, that was Up. Up. I think up. it was in that. I think it Yeah, was it was a, it was an animated movie about the house that got, you know, pulled up on all these balloons. I think there was a dog in there and every time Right. the dog saw a squirrel or yeah. Got distracted or something. Right. right. So, anyway. Well, uh, do we have a chapter we're going to do on focus? Let me see here. Let me just look through here real quick. We have 17 chapters. Well, wait a minute. We have 18 chapters. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. So, okay. So, health and well-being. Now, are are you in front of your computer right now? Uh-huh. Okay. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, if my darn Windows 10 will work, I'm just going to copy and... I mean, I don't know. I'm the kind of person where I like to see the words in front of me. And that may not matter to you, but 
Okay, so I've just copied and pasted all the. Oh, I was just looking it up in the emails, but okay. Yeah, no, I just copied and pasted it in Facebook in a little chat message, you know, the um, uh, chapter subheading. So health and well-being, tell me why you want to include a chapter on health and well-being. I mean, after all, these folks are in their 20s and 30s. It's like a lot of people are kind of ignoring health and well-being at that age. Um, I think it's pretty important to be aware of that. I think a lot of young people come up through life and in their 20s and 30s, um, they have this sense of being invincible. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, may not pay attention to, you know, um, eating healthy, having a good diet, you know, the garbage in, garbage out mentality definitely plays plays the role, but yet I don't think there's an awareness of it, or you know they think that they're so invin- that they're they're so invincible that they can get away with um, not paying attention to that. Okay, so let's let's come clean, and this may or may not go in the book, Todd, but. Where were you at when it came to health and well-being in Not that? Not even aware age? at all. No, I had no awareness. I ate whatever I wanted to eat. I smoked and drank and um, didn't have an awareness of what I was putting in and what it was doing. Right, right. How are your kids when it comes to health and well-being? Um, they're very aware. As a matter of fact, my middle daughter just became vegan or vegetarian, I guess. I don't know the difference. but Well, vegan is no animal products at all, which which uh, the, the first person I ever met who was vegan, this would be maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago, said says uh, you describe vegan as nothing that ever would have had a face. Right. 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 So I think she's there. And she has my um, youngest daughter, considering it. I don't know where she's at on that chart yet, but she's definitely aware of it. Do you think they're doing it as a like a um, a healthy lifestyle choice, or are they doing it because there's a bit of a fad element to it? Or what do you think is sort of like their motivator for doing it? Well, I, I've had this discussion with my older daughter, or my middle daughter, and it is just the the inhumane treatment of animals that make it to our dinner plate. How do you feel about that? In, she has some here, really here, good you're in, points. You're in my my generation, you know. She has some really so. good points. You know, I I don't know that I would ever give up eating a hamburger or a nice steak. It, it, mm-hmm. it, I don't think it was in our awareness of of how those animals were treated and cared for and da 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 da, uh, and we didn't know any different. That's that's what it, you know. I mean, when you really think about it, the masses have to be fed, and you know you have to raise and 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 have meat somehow. Oh, protein, uh, yeah. protein, and so some of her points. You know, we we are 
technologically advanced to the point where, you know, we don't need to get our protein that way, and we don't need to um, consume those kinds of products, that there's other alternatives. My husband and I are starting to do more vegetarian meals, you know, which is which is kind of challenging for me because it means I have to learn new ways of cooking, mm-hmm. you know, things. And then the other thing is is that we've started juicing too. Right. That's you really know? big and popular. And, you know, I know that... Like one juice thing a day, you sure. know, it's not... It's like a... Almost like a mid-morning snack kind of thing, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, I'm aware that we get all the the basic nutrients that we need and that's what our body thrives on and but I'm also aware, you know, that I don't think our brains would have advanced to the point that they are if we had not started eating meat. Mhm. And our minds and our brains need that protein and you know, it it's probably for our generation, you know, considering a a vegan diet really isn't probably on the radar, but I could see the younger crowd considering that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as a person who, how do I want to say this, you know? And, like, I totally get it, okay? I mean, I don't eat beef, personally. Um, not, you know, just because it, I just don't digest it real well at this mm. stage of my life. It's like, but I eat chicken and I eat turkey and I eat fish and occasionally I'll have, you know, pork like carnitas or something like that. I had once an ensenada while we were there. But um, as a person who doesn't want to give up the occasional good burger, you know, like a good Angus burger, I went to a restaurant, you know, or a steak, you know, and they had these burgers that just looked really, really good, but I felt like that just wasn't a good balance in the day and, you know, everything else I was eating that day. So I sat there and kind of drooled over it and had a salad (laughs) where where maybe if I had been better the rest of the day, I might have gotten the burger, you know, who knows. But but normally beef is kind of out of my picture. Um, but as a person who, you know, you kind of have this balance in between maybe beef here and there or a steak or whatever, would you, um, you know, you you can't be a person who's like on the high horse telling people you shouldn't eat beef when you no, enjoy it. You know what I mean? That, I don't that think doesn't I sound nope. in, you know, that that just doesn't sound logical, but maybe suggest people, like, learn about what their options are. Yeah, I think so. I think that you should be aware of of what you're putting in. You know, the ancients honored the animal and praised it, you know, after they killed it. Right. Certainly, like, Native Americans and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly, and, and right. because that was giving them substance, and they knew that. And so it was a it was a big ceremony to honor that animal for giving up its life so that they could survive. Right. So there isn't that awareness today, right? Right. And and there's, there's, well, it's all in the news, too, about just killing animals to kill them. I totally don't believe in that. Um and, you know, I think there's an awareness on the beef growers and the chicken growers, you know, they know that 
in order to um, have a good product and sell a good product that you know there's terms today like free range and um, uh, no, no no hormones and you know beef is being raised in a totally different grass grass place. fed grass fed and um, you know some farmers now are even going to the po- point that their their cows you know have a good life and right. there's an awareness about it so you know honoring that animal in its life I think has some benefit I I think that benefit ends up being in the energy of the consumed product. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. So the ancients honored their take or their meat, and, and you know, that, that became energetically part of them. So when they consumed that product, you know, that consumption of it, they, they consumed that energy. It has energy. that energy. Yeah. yeah. Michael, Michael yeah. Beckwith talks about that, about, you know, before he eats a meal, he really really focuses on that meal and and holds his hands over it and puts some of his energy he says into it and you know the the animals themselves have energy and the things that they ate had energy and he just becomes aware of it and knowing that that energy is going to transfer into his body and make it um, have energy and that goodness is going to be felt throughout so he's really aware when he consumes food of what it's going to do for him. He also talked about I like that. Yeah, I like well, that. Yeah, that's very Native American shaman mm-hmm. spirituality kind of thing. Well, I you know, I don't know if you grew up with this, Todd, but you know, in my family it was like we said grace when we sat down to dinner every night. Oh. Now, we didn't thank the food itself, we thanked the people who prepared it you know, which was usually my mom, <laughs> you know, sometimes my dad, like on the weekends or something, you know, but the, the people who prepared it and also to uh, send a blessing to those who didn't have any, you know. So um, anyway. There's people but, that say when when there's that, when there's that thought or when there's that awareness that that food has... Um, that food has less ability to stick, right? When when we to what? to stick mm-hmm. or turn into fat. So when, because of that awareness, the the body then kind of shifts gears or the energy of the cells, and and it processes it completely rather than taking some of that and making it stick. Whether that's scientifically proven or not, who knows? But some would say that. Something else, too, is, is especially about bees um, that Michael, I've heard Michael say is... Uh, Michael Beckwith? Yeah. Is yeah. That bees, bees put energy into food, too, with their buzzing. It's just such a high frequency and a high buzzing when they're buzzing around the flowers that part of that energy of that bee is put into that product or into that food. Have you seen um if you if you're a Netflix person, they have all these or a number of documentaries having to do with different aspects of health and eating and you know forks over knives and fat sick and nearly dead, and you know problems with childhood obesity and all this stuff. Have you watched any of those at all? Uh-uh. 
Okay. I'm not. I don't have Netflix. Okay. Okay. So anyway, yeah, lots of lots of information in those. So I so, think a big part of well-being, you know, is being aware of what you're taking in and 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 aware of the energy that it can provide for your body and you know that bag of potato chips that you sit down and consume might not be a good thing. Mhm. Mhm. One of the things you wanted to touch on in this chapter when we originally kind of flushed it out a little bit was the idea of staying hydrated and drinking plenty of water. When I noticed that, see, I was never aware of that until, oh gosh, probably, you know, my early 40s. I wasn't really aware of this concept. You know, it was really wasn't, we always heard drink lots of water, drink lots of water, but, you know. We really didn't grow up with it. No, and but we we grew up with, Coca-Cola and Mountain Dew and Simba and Pepsi. I did, but most people did. You're right. Yeah, I, it was just a, a big water wasn't part of our consciousness. And so I became aware of this concept when I was in my early 40s. And so I started to drink a lot of water and I could tell the difference between the way that my body was behaving. And when I became dehydrated or I didn't have a lot of water in my system, you know, my my mental capacity and my mental functions were degraded. Right. And I, I can remember many instances just sitting there and thinking, well, well, I haven't drank a whole lot of water today, and then drinking a bunch of water and, and it went away. I know. If I don't drink enough water, the next morning I wake up with a headache. Right. And I don't reach for a bottle of aspirin or Advil. I just start drinking some water, and right. within about 15 minutes, it'll be gone. Right. You know. So I think today science says, you know, we should be drinking close, I think it's close to a gallon of water a day. I don't We We should probably look and see for sure, or eight. eight well, they still say eight, eight cups a day, eight, eight to 16, ten. Right, eight which, 15 ounce glasses or something. Yeah. Well, eight 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 ounce glasses okay. is like half a gallon. Right. But people who really pay attention to it, it's if you can get up to a gallon a day, they say that's even better for you. And so when you think about that, and, and some of the guests I've had on the show, you know, I had this one woman who is really big into you know um, food consumption and and eating healthy. And she made the statement that 89% of the United States' health problems would be resolved if people drank more water. Now you told me, what's the title of that book? You've mentioned it before. I don't know that I know. Your Body's Crying Need for Water or something Some, like that. I'd have to look. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. Um, but that just amazed me and then I started to look into it a little bit more and you know keeping the body flushed out you know the toxins getting the, the toxins flushed out I mean what else can do that but but drinking water on a regular basis and so if those toxins just sit around in our livers and the cells grab onto them and they don't know what to do with them right so it just becomes like garbage in in the cell 
um, it's 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 pretty interesting when you start to think about how water is a solvent, and I don't think there'd be life on planet Earth if there was ever any water. If if water hadn't have come around, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a part of our life. It is a part of our life, you know. So. Oh, here, your body's many, as you were talking and we're catching it on the recording, I looked it up on Amazon, your body's many cries for water. Mm -hmm. Dr. F, big long name, Batmangahelja. She made a reference to that book. The woman that I was thinking of was Amy. Amy. She's written a couple of books. You're not sick. You're thirsty. Don't treat thirst with medication. Right. It's written by a doctor. Oh, she referenced that book is what it was. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of this before. It came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, okay. All right. Well, I just might download it to my Kindle. <laughs> so. Isn't a Kindle amazing thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's good for me. I like it, you know, because I I, I get clients who, um, you know, say, Denise, you know, I'd like some quotes out of this book. Now, the one thing I can do with Cortana now on Windows 10 is I can say, quotes by Les Brown, please, or quotes by in such and so book, please, and it pulls up a whole bunch of them. I guess Les has been really sick. He's been fighting cancer, too. Yeah, yeah. He Well, he he was diagnosed with colon cancer, back when I still worked for Robert Allen. So you figure that's like eight years ago. Right, right. Yeah. So, and it was like he was, you know, he was much better, and now he's worse again, unfortunately. See, and and, and that's another thing is young people, especially young males, very regularly go to a doctor. They only go to the doctor when it's, an emergency, but there are regular things that you need to get checked, especially, you know, check for colon cancer. Right. Um, if they can catch those polyps before they really start to develop, then you're saved. But if it gets to a certain stage, you're do- you're all done. Right. Um, right. Well, women, we get checked all the time because right. female stuff, you yep. know. It's like we we get checked a lot more often. That's that's one thing about my husband Ernie. He's really good about getting annual physicals, and you know, he's he's very on top of those things. So, it's, so. I think that's another big part of it is just a regularly scheduled physical. Right, right, yeah. That's one of the things we have in here is re- regular physicals and medical care to remove questions. Right. Why even Why even go there and most insurances cover it and but you know I have a lot of young guys that work for me and it's just not part of their awareness it's just not part of it's not on their radar why do you think why do you think that's true you think it's that I'm invincible kind exactly. of thing or yep yeah and do you ever try to encourage them to I don't step to, in that direction so if they're not feeling well if they Tell me about something, you know. My first thing that comes out of my mouth is go see the doc, go see a doctor, you know. 
Right. And do they, or do you think they just kind of like, oh, well, I'll just put duct tape on it or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Electrical <laughs> tape or something. Um, oh, he's no. been decapitated. Oh, just put some duct tape around his neck, you know. Um, and that's another, you know, I had a guy working for me, and he smoked pretty regularly, and um, he dropped something on his finger, on his hand, and it snipped the end of his finger off, and he went to the emergency room, and they refused to even try and put it back because he was a smoker. He, they, you know, they just figure you, that you don't have um, the circulation required to be able to make it stick again. And how old was he? Ballpark. Oh, probably 40s, early 40s. Okay. Okay, probably had nicotine-stained fingers or something, (laughs) you know, or they could smell it on him, you know, that smoker thing, right? Right. Right. I think they ask you right away, and if you tell them, it's not like they couldn't tell. Right, right. Well, if you go in for an emergency, it's, it's not like you have time to, you know, scrub off all the stuff on your hands and take a shower so you don't have it in your hair and, you know. So, anyway, um, you know, one of the things you have here on the list is the idea of going to extremes with exercise. I think that there is a lot of injury occurring because young people are becoming addicted to working out and... um, and I, I don't I don't even really know if it's an addiction, but you know, they're working out three and four and five times a week and pushing themselves to to limits beyond what they should be pushing themselves to and you know, it's all about getting buff and it's all about you know, it's a huge competition. My sister is a perfectly good example of this. She's big into CrossFit and has been for probably the last 20 years, well, her body is falling apart. I mean, you know, her shoulders, the joints are messed up. Um, She collapsed the lung and didn't even realize it. Um, Just went through major shoulder surgery. Uh, Well, there's such a huge thing around, like, looking perfect. Like all the focus is on the outside rather than the inside. Right. Vanity, I think, would be, you know, and having the, those six-pack abs. But I think it goes beyond that. I I should probably research it just a little bit. But I think that something inside is driving them just to push themselves to that edge. Or what do you think that something might be? Yeah, that's a good question. Why why that drive is there? Maybe it is vanity. It could very well be vanity or I I think I think a lot of it is competition. Got to do better than the other guy. Well, we didn't grow up with infomercials. You know, showing bumps right. and puff bodies. We didn't grow up with biggest loser. You know, and Jillian Michael screaming at people to work harder, harder, harder. You know, right? Um, 
we didn't grow up with that as much, you know. We also didn't grow up, like you said, knowing about water. You know, we didn't grow up knowing about um, the idea of, you know, maybe eating less butter or beef or, you know, whatever certain food groups and everything. You know, we just kind of did. And if you're, you know, like my mom cooked, you know, pretty much homemade kind of food. There was always a meat, a vegetable, a salad, and a starch on the plate, you know, like potato or whatever it was. You know, so it was a fairly balanced meal, you know, whereas I think the generation of millennials were either raised on fast food or energy bars and smoothies, you know, depending on the kind of family they grew up in. So, you know, that's kind of an example of extremes as well. Yeah, it seems... I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, the more you you talk about just the way we, the way it was for us and the way it is today, you could you could see how easy it is for people to fall into these traps. I mean, especially with fast food and processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, here, it's only been here in the last, I don't know, maybe four or five years that there's just been this huge awareness of, of you know, where the vegetables are grown, what GMO is a big thing. Um, and I think that we have to really be careful of that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is, is, I mean, obviously there's no one-size-fits-all formula, but in terms of exercise, what do you think is moderation? a, I think. a good suggestion for that? Yeah, I I don't, I'm not going to say what's right. I'm just going to say a good suggestion. Just being in moderation and not pushing yourself to the extreme. You know, there's there's a point where you begin to damage your body and and that's different for everybody. You know, long-distance runners push themselves. They push their heart muscle way beyond what it's expected to be able to do. And I, there's talk that that long-distance runners and, and runners that really push themselves damage their heart. You know, there was a runner, my former husband. He used to, like, really admire this guy. And he, his name was Jim Fix, only F-I with two X's on the end. And, you know, he would be on the cover of Runner's World a couple times a year and, you know, all this. And he just thought, you know, this guy was like the bee's knees or whatever. And he ended up dying, like, at age 42 or 43. Yeah, probably heart failure. You know, of an enlarged heart. Yeah, yeah. heart failure. You know, just too much of it. There's a perfect... So I, I think being in moderation with exercise and, and not going to the extreme is a, um, is a big deal. You know, I just had a guy on the show this last week and, um, his name's Dawson church. I don't know if you've, if you know of him or have heard of him, but he's a PhD and he scientifically researches all the new science behind um, our thoughts and feelings and how it affects our well-being. And I was just amazed at all of the research and 
the things that are being understood of how our thoughts stress, just our thoughts can stress our body into illness. Oh, totally. I'm I'm very into mind-body-spirit connection. I took a 12-week course on that several years ago, and I've read a number of books on it. He's really big into EFT and... Yeah, yeah. um, Love EFT. Yeah, we even did a little tapping exercise. You know, he took me through a tapping exercise. Um, And the name of his book is Your Genius Gene. Your Genius Gene. Cool. The Genie in Your Genes, I'm sorry. The Genie in Your Genes. So it... And it... Everything that he does and talks about and writes about, he writes a blog for the Huffington Post, and I mean he's just really, really well, well renowned. Um, but say his name again. Uh, Dawson Church. Dawson Church, okay. Um, is all scientifically proving, and and he researches it to the nth degree, and he's done all these. Um, researches himself where he's actually proven it and and it's it's pretty amazing stuff the book is a really really good read it's on kindle um but maybe we could mention mention his sure sure um I i was also thinking we also didn't grow up with um triathlons and these ultimate races where somebody like you know where people like bicycle a hundred miles or something. We had the decathlon though in the Olympics, didn't we? Um, well, Jenner won it in night. Yeah, we we did have that, but it was like this rare thing. It was like it wasn't. I don't know. You know, yeah, we did have the decathlon. You know, which is like ten different sports. Right. Yeah. But n- not like it is today, and. You know, um, there are all these races that are a big thing, and they're very long. And but you know, back back to the same. I think if people just exercise and and stay fit in moderation and not push their bodies to the extremes, um, they could live a long, healthful life. Right, right. Fear. Tell me about fear and worry around health. That's what I was reading. Just um, Dawson talked a lot about that in how excessive worry and fear causes stress in our cells, and then our cells don't process the energy right, and they get a little the the genes don't copyright. And um, boy, he's got this long, drawn out explanation of it, but it doesn't reproduce right, and so years and years of worry and stress just have an effect on our skin and you know people that are just worry 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 they age that's why is because of the 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 chemical imbalance in the cells because of those thought induced stressors right are you familiar with um louise hay's little book called i mean little when i say little it's like you know, like a quarter inch thick and maybe five by six inches called Heal Your Body? I think I am. I think I probably read that. There are some really good, you know, Power Versus Force is an excellent book about 
you know, how the, the thoughts. Um, it, the, the interesting thing about Heal Your Body is it's really not a book that you sit down and read. It's more like a reference thing, almost right. like a small dictionary. Coffee table book or something? No, excuse me? Coffee table book? Yeah, it's not big enough to be a coffee table book, but it could be. But it's one of those things where let's say you have a cold. So you look up congestion in there, and it's this congestion. It's this confusing, confusion. So you go, okay, what am I confused about? And you figure out what you're confused about, and the cold goes away. Right. You know, or I sprained my ankle. You know, I did that back in April, right? And I look up ankles, and it has to do with support, feeling supported. And, you know, so I think, okay, where am I not feeling supported? And you figure that out, and the ankle heals faster. Well, that's what yeah. Dawson, and that's what tapping is all about. Tapping is all right. about um, reframing that pain, or reframing because there's some there's some traumatic traumatic experience, or there's something else going on in the mind, or you know, uh, it, it, it's just amazing how. Everything is interconnected. It's a system. And when some part of that system isn't properly tuned or needs a little bit of grease or some oil, it affects other areas. It truly is a body-mind-spirit connection. Uh You know, like people throw those terms around, but they really don't think about, well, what does that really mean, a body-mind-spirit connection? You know, are there ways in which you use these techniques yourself to stay healthy? Meditation, hydration. Um, Because of my profession, I get lots of exercise. I mean, I'm on my feet and walking around all day long out in the field to the mailbox, to the bank. I've chosen to have, you know, I'm really close to the mailbox. Well, the the mail, the post office, I should say. So I walk there, I do all my banking, and the the bank is probably I don't know ten blocks away, and I walk to the bank. So um, I've incorporated all of those kinds of things. So I don't, you know, if if you're driving a short distance, choose to walk. You might even get there quicker because you don't have to find a parking place. So you probably get your ten thousand steps in per day. I'm oh, sitting and, here looking at my some. Fitbit. On my desk, you right. know. Right. So, anyway. So, that's a good reference, too, is, is, you know, they say today that you should at least be getting 10,000 steps. So, work toward, work your life so that, that somehow you are getting those 10,000 steps. And, you know, realistically, depending on what kind of work you do, um, what I have found, I haven't been wearing the Fitbit lately because it's like messed up or something. I need to figure out how to fix it. But if you will go out and walk, about three to three and a half miles as exercise, you can get the rest of those 10,000 steps just, you know, walking across the parking lot, walking to get your mail, just little things like that, and you'll end up easily with 10,000 steps. Yeah, it's it's not that big of a deal. Right. Unless you're not doing it. 10, yeah. 000, it's not that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um the next thing on here, and I'm kind of like taking these in a certain order that I think they might end up in in the book chapter, uh-huh. um, is, and I love this one, is living at a high vibration. 
and I see you. It's like I haven't met you in person, you know, but just just your tone of voice and your energy. I see you as a person who really does live at a high vibration. Is that something that comes naturally, or is it something you had to develop? I think that it's something that you can develop. It's a practice, but once once you get to that level, you can never go back. Unless, you know, there's some form of other chemical being induced into your body, but a, a good positive mental attitude being really upbeat and looking at everything positive, I think it's infectious. I think it just becomes natural. Um, and being aware of it certainly is a, a good way to just start practice. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. How am I showing up in the world? Is it low energy? Is my head down? Is my tail between my legs? Or am I upbeat and positive and energetic and ready to listen to people and and what they have to say and just really being in tune with that? Right. I don't know how much you pay attention to the news or not, but lately Donald Trump's... um, you know, thing he's been saying about Jeb Bush is he says he's a low energy guy. Yeah, it's a big buzzword. You know, yeah. he's a he's a low energy guy. And I you think know? I think people once they start to understand those concepts can pick that out. I think. And, and what do you mean can pick that out? Tell me more about that. Well. When you start to understand, well, what does a low energy look like, and what does high energy look like, and so once that concept, you're aware of it, then you can begin to see it. So you don't know what you don't know, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right, right. You know, where you and I originally connected was on your radio show. Uh That was our first conversation, right? And I've always told people this, and I do this myself, as I say, when you're going to be on radio, what comes across to you as maybe a little too much enthusiasm is perfect. <laughs> you know. And that's, that's true. Because, yeah, when I'm around Toastmasters, because of my leadership position, I'm on high vibe, you know, the whole time. Because I know I'm being watched, for one. And for the other, I'm so jazzed about the program and what it does for people. It just naturally comes out. So it's it's not like I turn the volume control up. It's like the volume control just goes up naturally because I'm in that group. So for me, I'm a little bit more of an introvert. I mean, heck, I'm a writer, right? Right. You know, <laughs> right? So it's like when I'm going into a social sitting, I do kind of turn that on. And, you know, when I'm going into a social sitting where it's like all new people and I'm a little bit uncomfortable about it, you know, it's like number one. I think in my head you've dealt with this a million times before. You can, be, you can, you'll be fine, you know. But the other thing is, is lots of times, especially if I was going to be speaking, you know, I would go into the ladies' room and get quiet and visualize everything going really, really well, and then I would come out and look in the mirror, and if I needed to fix my lipstick or my hair or whatever, do that, and then it, it's like I would turn this little sort of imaginary switch on my waistband, you know, of my skirt or, you know, whatever, 
and and I would say it's showtime, folks, and that would just <laughs> help me kind of like raise that vibrational level, you know. And one of the things that I'll do when I go to those kinds of things is I'll station myself at the door where people are walking in, and I'll shake hands with everybody yeah. as they're walking in. Hi, it's so nice to see you. And and you get so many smiles and so many, you know, hugs and everything in return, it would help me kind of like keep that energy going beyond just that little, hey, it's showtime, folks. Right. You know, so how would you feel for those people who don't have that natural high thing going when they get into public situations yeah, to kind of share that? Yeah, and practice that, and then it becomes natural. I mean, you you probably look forward to that now. Hey, this this really, because it makes them feel good and it makes you feel good. Right, right, right. So, you know, but I see, I come from a, I come from a, circumstance where like in my client meetings I want to make sure I'm on top of things I'm fully present I'm you know I'm there for you and everything but there's a lot of hours I spend where I'm pretty quiet so if I'm going from like you know working on somebody's chapter all day to then I'm going out in the evening you know with Ernie to some kind of networking thing or a cocktail thing or whatever you know, I still kind of do remind myself. It's like, okay, you know, you're going out in the world of people. You know, <laughs> Turn up the <laughs> right? And 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 I'm I'm okay with just re- giving myself that little reminder because, you know, I know I'm fine. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm a you know painfully shy person or self conscious or anything like that. I just have to remind myself to kind of tune it up a little bit. You know, right? I hear it. For me, though, it's I am such a mellow dude, and and around the house, and just working with my hobbies, and I'm just happy-go-lucky. Everything's just groovy, and I get in this groove, and I I don't say much, you know. I'm certainly got a lot of thought life going on, but you get me in a room full of people, and it's especially a room full of Toastmasters, and it's just you know, it, it just naturally clicks in. Oh yeah, you're around your peeps. You're around Especially your if you, and then when you put me on stage, it just the volume cranks, and I get into this space. It's kind of funny. I get into the space where I really don't know what I'm saying. Well, I know what I'm saying, but um, I don't remember what I say, and things just tend to flow. I've had so many people come up to me and say, "Oh, that was so cool what you said. I really liked what you said there," and. And I have to look at them and say, well, can you remind me just a little bit of what I said? And maybe they'll click back in. So it's, it, it, it's, it, I call it getting in the groove. It's in that home space. And it just happened to me in Vegas. You know, I, I was asked to speak at, at one of the breakout sessions, and they didn't want to leave the room. <laughs> it <was> right, <laughs> right, right. I know when I go to, like, um, Author 101, you know, which is, you know, it would be, it's not nearly as big. It's about 300 people, not, you know, thousands like the Toastmaster thing you went to. But when I go to that, it's like I'm with my peeps and I'm just naturally yeah. high energy the entire four days, you know. So if you can, so, I guess for people, if you can be aware of when when that energy is present and know that that can be, that can be tapped into at any time. Once right. you become aware of it, it right, 
and and utilize that in all aspects of your life. Right. The last thing we have here on our on our list of chapter subheadings is it says take care of well being, which is really kind of the overarching you know thing we've been talking about this entire hour. But also the word meditation. I think it's I think it's huge. Meditation and, and prayer. See. Prayer. Should we add prayer with it? Meditation and prayer. Well, just to just to kind of highlight, I don't know if I talked about it in some of the other chapters, but prayer might be kind of a, a downturning word. But a prayer is really how you set intention. I think right. we did talk about it. Right. That's, well, I think we did in the chapter on be in the mystery. Uh huh. No. But med- meditation is just a way of a reducing stress. Mm-hmm. And I really like to compare it to a computer and rebooting a computer because you're really you're really rebooting your mind. Your see, computers have things called buffers, and all throughout their activity, they're storing things in these buffers, whether you need them again or not. But it's just all in the buffers, and so. When you reboot a computer or you do a defrag on it or you do something like that, you're reorganizing those buffers. And meditation does the same thing for our mind. It just dumps those buffers. So I used to meditate every day at noon and when I was really in high, high workloads. And I'll still do it. If I'm in a high workload and I have a heavy-duty morning, I'll take 20 minutes and go sit in my truck. And what that does is everything that I did in the morning, all that stuff that I've processed, all the phone calls and conversations and dealing with with employees and everything, it just dumps all of that. It resets. And then after about 20 minutes, I walk back into the shop and it's like the beginning of the day again. Right. Right. Meditation is almost like a reset reset button almost. It is. And I used to like to call it um, I'm going to go hit Control-Alt-Delete twice. Mm-hmm. Remember in the old computing days, you hit Control-Alt-Delete twice, and that rebooted your computer. Right, right. So I, and even even if even if things got really tense, I'd just take a minute and and just focus on Control-Alt-Delete twice, and just kind of just dump whatever is there, and and kind of just get reorganized. Meditation is also a place where we get insight. And Mm -hmm. we get answers from the divine. If there's something that we've been pondering or trying to understand, and in meditation then is when we get those insights, those intuitive messages or guidance. So how does that happen for you, just as an example? The thoughts just come out of the blue. Right. Do you, like, ask a question or it just kind of, like, materializes in your mind or like I ask a question I'll say okay God what do I do next you know something something real I keep it really simple and open-ended you know the question that's right and that's exactly how you do that and it's a practice to begin with and I'm a curious person anyway so I'm always asking questions and especially if I don't know the answer um, I'll pose that question. 
And then I let go of it. I don't focus on it anymore. And might be two hours, might be six hours, might be eight hours later, boom, I'll get a, a reply or a response. Now, when it comes to machines... For me, it's like seconds. It's like it seconds. Can be. For machines, you know? when I'm dealing with the machine and I'm looking at schematics and I'm looking at drawings and I'll ask, okay, what is, what's wrong with you? What, why are you doing this? You actually it's, talk to the machine? Um, not vocally, but in my okay. mind. You know, but in what's your the mind, you go, yeah. how what's can I help you? <laughs> what's the matter with you? And looking at drawings and schematics, and it's just almost instantaneous. This is what's right. wrong with me. Because it's really not the machine you're talking to. It's you're really sending the question up to higher power, spirit. The all. The all, yeah. Yeah, um, you know we don't have this on your on your list of chapter subheadings, but it it just popped in my mind like positive affirmations. I think those are real important. You like affirmations? I use them a lot. I think that so there's some there's okay so there are some and this is part of well being. There are some that are just naturally part of my life that I adopted years ago um, and one it never lets me down and it's just pretty amazing but I tell myself all the time I'm always where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there I'm always where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there I like that and I think I'm start using that it, it just floors me and it happens to me daily I'll walk around the corner, and especially back when I used to, when I was running like three different businesses at the same time. I'll walk around the corner, or I'll open the door, or I'll step into an office, or walk into my machine shop, and they're just getting ready to call me, or they're just getting ready to come find me, or like on different locations. Yeah, they were just getting ready to call me, and. It's just amazing how that little affirmation works and always puts me in the place where I'm supposed to be. It really sounds in alignment with the conversation we had about the fox running along the side of your truck. Yeah. And the other guy named Todd, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I like that. My my favorite affirmation I've been using for about a year now, I got out of a Wayne Dyer book. I can't remember the title of it. He just passed away this past week. I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but it's um, I am God in action, mm-hmm. you know, and it helps remind me that I'm doing the right thing and God's happy with it and I'm happy with it and all is well with the world. So, anyway. Some of the other ones that I use... Um it's going to be this or something better. Um, yep, I've heard you say that before. Um, gosh, they're just always a part of me now. As they pop up, I'll have to send them to you. But the one, the one, good ones. Yeah, the one that really comes to mind is just I'm always where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. And I used to say that all the time, every day, blah, blah, blah. And now it's just naturally a part. 
it just happened to me today. As a matter of fact, I pulled up in my truck and my machinist just happened to walk out the door looking to see if my truck was there. <laughs> it was, wow. I know. And I just, yeah. So, you know, that would be kind of cool to do a blog or some thoughts on affirmations because yeah. it's such a fast thing that people can do for themselves, you know. So, anyway. Good, good. What's the one right. Dr. Well, DiMartini? I, I, Dr. DiMartini always said one that I adopted too. Oh, I'm I'm a genius, and I listen to my wisdom. <laughs> I love that. That's, That's one great. that I, I. I'm a genius, and I listen to my wisdom. I love it. <laughs> it's huge, and it will make a huge difference if you adopt that into your everyday life. Yep, I'm a genius, and I listen to my wisdom. I'm a genius. I love it. That's great. That's great. I am going to use that. So closing thoughts as we wrap up on this uh, chapter on health and well-being. I think that an awareness of what you're eating and what you're thinking about can go a long way in in it can go a long way on your life mastery journey and making a huge difference in the way you show up in the world, the way you feel about the world, and the way you make choices and decisions. Awesome. That's great. Great, great, great. Okay. All right, cool. So um, can you... Well, I'm first thing, you know, on the schedule for next week, everything look good for that? Uh-huh. Okay, good. And then the other thing is, is can can you send me the link to your blog? And is there like a list I can sign up for it so I can start looking at? Yep, just what go to lifemasteryradio.net. Lifemasteryradio.net, and I can just like sign up to get yep. emails when your blog then, posts come out. Yep, and all the blogs are right there in the center column too, so you can see some of the past stuff that I've written about. Sometimes okay. we we choose to do a guest blog, like if Debbie or I haven't had a chance to create any material, our guests will, you know, we'll just get permission to do a guest blog, but okay. a lot of a lot of my blogs. And then if you, over on the side, if you sign up for the newsletter, the newsletter goes out every week with a blog post in it. Okay. It also highlights who the guests are that are coming up and who sure, the guests sure. have been. And, yeah, it's good All stuff. All that good stuff. So, okay, good. All right, good. Well, you you did great today, you know. So next week, our conversation will be about clutter. Okay. Okay. That's kind of short. Do we want to put? I don't know. We could spend a whole hour or a whole chat. Well, here's here's what we came up with. We have um, the idea about the distraction of clutter, the shiny object syndrome, which is kind of like. Squirrel, squirrel. Oh, we can talk about the law of distraction, yeah. The law of distraction, I got that down. Um, the story about clutter, you said, uh, talked about, uh, mentioned the woman who prayed to the elevator god, yeah. accumulating oh, yeah. too much stuff, which shuts off the flow and the drain of clutter. Yeah. And and I really think clutter, it results in a lack of focus. Right. You know, so we'll see how it goes, you know. Bob Proctor said, you know who Bob Proctor is, right? Of course, of course. He says, you can tell the type of person that you're dealing with or how, or whatever. You can always tell that how, 
you can always tell a person's personality by opening up their car door. <laughs> well, Jack used to say the state of your, your, you know, the state of your car or your house, whether it's a mess or whatever, right. um, had to do with your states of consciousness. Yeah, I've, I just got another one of his tape sets because I, I have a, um, I have a, a notification on eBay when any of his stuff comes up on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that he did a whole series on the Ten Commandments. I didn't know that either. So it's in the mail. It's headed my way. I can't wait to hear this. this cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that would make a great speech. If you know, just researching what he, I, I'm sure he has a lot of good stuff to say about the Ten Commandments. I can just. Imagine. I'm sure he does. Yeah. All righty, sir. Well, I will talk to you in a week. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.